my whole world was just this big mess of grief on one hand, but on the other hand, I knew that I had this undeniable connection and purpose and that there was a reason why I came here when I did. And I couldn't push that away anymore. This week on the Meg Rock Show, I was able to sit down with Searsha Claire McGovern. Searsha is known to many as the star seed coach. In this episode, Searsha and I got to talk about the death of her father and the death of her husband not long after that. The spiritual awakening that she had that opened her up to being able to communicate and hear from the spirit world, to be able to channel messages for us that are here on this planet that wanna be able to move through our life with more ease, more grace, and more flow. And how she talks to her dad and her husband nearly on a daily basis. You guys are gonna love this episode with Searsha. Welcome to the Meg Rock Show with Manifesting Marge, enlightening you with high vibe spiritual guidance, interviews with high vibe people, and those who practice different healing modalities around the world. I help women manifest more love, more self-love, more money, better health, and clarity on their life path. My purpose is to help you remember who the you are. Let's rock this out. Welcome, Searsha. So excited to have you. And I guess the best place to start is I want to find out a little bit about your childhood growing up and when you had the spiritual awakening and when you found out that you were a starseed. And what is a starseed? That's such a great question. And I'm glad that it's a question that's being asked more. I definitely now than when I was a lot younger. Um, when I was growing up, I knew that there was something a little bit different about me. I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was, but the earliest story that I have of this connection that I have to other realms is when my grandpa passed away, I was actually two years old. And my mom said that at his funeral, I walked right up to the casket and I put my hand over his hand and I said, grandpa, I know where you are. It's okay. You had to go. I love you. And apparently there were people standing around like in shock of why is this toddler (laughs) saying this to her grandfather, but I could feel his spirit and his presence with me. And I still do to this day. Um, But as I got older, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in the Kansas city area and I went to private school. So I had a very sheltered upbringing where it wasn't necessarily appropriate to talk about the connection that we have to the spiritual realm. And so I think I kind of just suppressed my inner truth for a long time because I really wanted to fit in with my surroundings and my community. So I had to find other outlets for my creativity and my expression and did a lot of theater and music and that sort of thing. And, um, kind of checked all of the boxes with living a fairly traditional, you know, normal scripted life. I went to college. I went to grad school. I met my twin flame at a very young age. I was 21 and I felt a a lot of soul fulfillment in that, that I'd been missing. And so he and I got married and, um, I was working as a commercial real estate broker in my mid twenties after grad school. And I got a call that my father had grade four brain cancer. 
So we pretty much just picked up our whole lives and moved back to Kansas city to be with him and kind of, you know, live out the rest of his time together. And when he passed away, I had a really cathartic experience of really connecting with his soul essence, which is something that, you know, he was raised Catholic in the 1950s. That was not something that he really displayed to me as a child or growing up. And so I had this really strong spiritual connection with him and he would talk to me quite frequently and tell me, you need to be strong. I know you're a strong person, but you need to remain steadfast in everything you are. And I found out, you know, a year later that the reason why he'd been sending me all of these messages is because my husband, my twin flame, he passed away in a helicopter crash. And when that happened, I actually had a shared death experience with Christian where I knew what was happening before the people from his flight school knocked on my door to tell me that he was gone. And after that happened, I, I can't even explain to you how I felt because my whole world was just this big mess of grief on one hand, but on the other hand, I knew that I had this undeniable connection and purpose and that there was a reason why I came here when I did, and I couldn't push that away anymore. So I kind of fell down the Google rabbit hole <laughs> of like figuring out, you know, why is it that I've had all of these experiences with all of these people in my life who've passed on and I can still communicate with them and what are they trying to tell me and why are they still communicating with me? And I came across the term starseed and that's something that was new to me, but when I first read it, it felt like home. It felt like, oh, this just explains everything, that there is a purpose why I came to earth now and that I have a very specific role to play in up-leveling our collective vibration through the ascension process. And unfortunately, grief is often the greatest teacher of that. So I had to do a lot of work to, you know, allow my heart to heal in a gentle way, but at the same time embrace that everything that happened to me was a part of my core purpose. So um, kind of getting back to your original question around how did I know I was a star seed? I think I've known all along, but a lot of what I believe star seeds face right now and kind of the struggle that we have with identifying our purpose and our mission is that the term has really been taboo for quite a long time. And if you were to Google what a star seed is, you'd get tons of information around, you know, figuring out what planet you're from. And it kind of makes it sound like star seeds are aliens or like alien life forms. And that's not something that I resonate with at all. And I feel like it's, it's kind of a block that prevents people from connecting with this part of themselves that is so vital right now. So I'm glad that it's, you know, receiving more acceptance, but definitely back when I was growing up and I was an indigo child, you know, I would have had no clue what this was. And if I looked into it, people would have told me flat out that I was crazy. <laughs> 
So absolutely. Well, my story is different than yours, but I have no deep, no, I have no, um, losing my train of thought here. I have no doubt that I am a star seed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've just always, I've always been popular. I've always fit into all the groups, but I've never, I've never really felt a part of the groups. Mm-hmm. I have always felt different than, than everybody. Mm-hmm. And still, yeah. even, even to this day. And it's crazy because I just turned 40 and a lot of it, uh, some of it is this podcast, but I'm starting to find my people. Mm-hmm. At 40 years old, I'm starting to find my people. That's how I feel too. It's like, you know, later in life, you've gone through all of these trials that have, you know, brought you here. And I always felt like an outsider. I felt like there was just something where I would try to break through and connect with my peers on, you know, whatever level that they wanted to connect with me on. And it just wasn't authentic and it wasn't happening for some reason. And now that I have awakened to my own inner truth. Like I can barely clearly see splits in, you know, fragments of dimension, 3d, 5d. Like we talk about that a lot and people that just choose to exist on a specific plane. And I feel like the more empowered we are with the knowledge of our true essence, the easier that it is to actually just step into that reality and say like, okay, well, I actually don't have to play on this side of the playground anymore because it wasn't really for me in the first place. Absolutely. It's really cool. I I've started to see auras a little bit and as I can see this like pinky orange color kind of going in and out behind you. It is so cool. <laughs> it just did it again. I'm like, oh, show that's me. Really see funny. More. Yeah. Do so I? my, my aura is orange. So that's hilarious. <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. I'm so excited. I know all, all my little gifts are opening up to me and I'm just, it's just so much fun. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, so when you're, when your father was speaking to you mm-hmm. for our listeners, cause people that are trying to understand or wrap their heads around this. And even for Christian, did you just have this like knowing of information that was coming through you from them? Or did, were you actually hearing? Yeah. So I'm Claire audience. So I was actually hearing his voice and there were times when I would see him in my mind's eye, like in whatever the present moment that I was in, I know it's really hard for me to describe, but it would, it would be like, he's standing in front of me talking to me and I could clearly see him. And when I had um, my experience with Christian, it all started with me. I was sitting in my bed. Um, It was actually at night. It was his first, um, it was a night orientation flight that he was doing. So our schedules were a little bit off that day. Like it was not normal for him to be at flight school at night. And so I was sitting in bed kind of waiting for the text from him that like he's on the ground and that he was going to be home in an hour or or whatever it was going to be. And um, I was playing this game on my phone And then I felt this really, really strong pull like through the center of my chest. And it felt like I was literally being sucked out of my own body. And the first vision that I had after that was this fire, like just flames everywhere. And we started ascending like further and further and further up. So it was kind of like I had a bird's eye view of what was happening on the ground. And I realized at that point that he was carrying me like his spirit was enveloping me in some way. 
And the only way I can describe it is that we were going through this like cosmic bank tube because it was kind of this like clear, yes, like a bank tube. Yeah. Yes. Like, like a, a wormhole kind of thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. So we just kept ascending through this point and we finally reached this void where I could see every single part of who he was. Like it was, it was almost as if we weren't in our bodies anymore and our spirits were just these little glowing beads. And so I could see like mine and his, but there wasn't really any separation between ours. And then he told me, I love you, but you have to go back. And I remember not really totally understanding what that meant because the only thing that I could feel was just this overwhelming universal love. And as soon as that happened, I was sitting back in my bed again and I felt pain like through my entire body, especially in my chest. And I was like, what the heck just happened? Like, I thought I was going crazy because like, what a strange, you know, thought to have. And I didn't realize at the time, like, no, that was actually real. And he was saying goodbye to you and you helped to bring him into the void where he could transition into his next plane. And about an hour later, I got a knock on my door from two men at the school and they had told me that he'd been in an accident. And I think like my 3D brain, the first thing that it thought that I can remember was I remembered this fire and I told them, where's he being treated? I, I need to go be with him right now. And one of them just kind of grabbed my arms and said, he's not being treated anywhere. He's, he passed away. And that's when everything really hit me of like, whoa, everything that I experienced with him just now was real. Cause I was getting ready for him to walk through the door and for me to tell him like, Hey babe, I think I'm losing my shit. <laughs> um, but that was not the case at all. And from that point on, he has very clearly spoken to me. Like I saw him yesterday. I talked to him yesterday and I told him how much I like really truly miss him, even though I am remarried and I have a, you know, somewhat different life. Um, but he's, he's very much a part of my team as yes. is my dad. And yes. I, I can't really express the amount of gratitude that I have for that, for being able to still communicate with them, because I know that that's something that a lot of people long for and for whatever reason, they can't tap into that connection. I know that that is tough. And it's, I mean, the best way, how would you explain that? What would be the best way to explain that is working to, to not stay on that energetic plane of not being able to do things and, you know, victim mentality mm -hmm. and all, all of the things, because don't mm -hmm. you feel like, I mean, we all have these gifts. We all have these gifts to connect with spirit, but don't you feel like people can work on that over time and step more into these gifts so that they can heighten their awareness so that they can have access oh, yeah. to that versus feeling like, well, you can do it, but I can't. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Anyone, like literally anyone at any time could choose universal love and universal peace and choose to be open to receiving. And the unfortunate thing is that we're very heavily conditioned into a world and a society where it's not so much about receiving, it's about earning or working or fitting in or conforming or being compliant or all of those things, right? And so I think that that message tends to get lost in translation of this is a choice. It is a choice for you. Like I had a choice where I was laying on the bathroom floor one day, like, you know, a couple weeks after Christian passed away. And I remember thinking like, well, I can either like lay here and be a victim and drink myself into oblivion, or I can actually make something out of the rest of my life. Like I can keep unpacking the reason why I had that soul journey with him and the reason why he is talking to me. And, and that is an active choice. And I totally agree with you that that's available to anyone. And so I feel like when people come to that place of longing and questioning of, you know, why is this not available to me or whatever that question becomes, then it's a mindset shift into, well, how do I open my body to receiving from source consciousness? How do I allow myself to receive the highest vibrational frequency without feeling ashamed of it or without feeling like it's, it's not something that's meant for me. Right. Well, and the other thing too, is, you know, as far as death is concerned, and this is just my, this is my spiritual knowing and understanding that I've probably gotten really clear about in the last five years. And so let's see, I was 35, probably in my mid thirties, I started to really understand this and, you know, I've lost grandparents and friends in high school and people throughout my life. I can't imagine losing a spouse, um, my spouse or my children, parents, those kind of things. But when you truly understand that the soul and you look at it with the big, the big V thing that's going on right now, the soul is the boss. Your soul is the boss. And when it decides peace out, mm -hmm. I'm done, I'm leaving. That decision was made. Like, I Absolutely. don't believe that accident. I don't believe in accidents. I mean, I, don't yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're supposed to survive an accident, then your, then your soul said, it's not my time. Mm -hmm. And so from a soul perspective for people to understand that as painful as it is. And the other thing is people will say, well, why would I choose? Why would I choose that? I wouldn't choose that. I'm like, no, you didn't choose it. Your personality didn't choose it, but your soul chose that. Mm -hmm. So to think that Christian, the Christian soul decided that that's the way he was going to leave. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is give me some, what your perspective and your knowing is on pain and suffering from let's say an helicopter crash yeah. and what the body experience, what the body experiences on a tolerable pain level before the spirit leaves or as oh, the spirit leaves. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that. So I know without a doubt, because of the experience that I had with him, that his soul actually left before impact. So wow. yeah, like he was out of there. He took me with him and he was gone. Um, how much comfort? Yeah. I mean, honestly, when I received that message from him, because <laughs> this is kind of funny, it's not funny, but it's funny to like, look back on and think about, um, 
I almost had like a replay with him two days after the accident where I saw more that, you know, at that point I was prepared for versus, oh, it's actually happening at this time and you're on your bed and here you go. Um, <clears throat> so when I got that information from him, I broke down because I was so thankful because when you think about someone being in a fire and someone, you know, being in this machine that's falling from 500 feet above the ground, like your mind immediately goes to what they would have felt in their final moments. And I do believe that, like you said, when it is your time to go, the body doesn't feel anymore because the overwhelming sensation is relief. There's like this release from this vessel that we have contracted to come here in. And there's an author that I really like. Her name is Pat Rodegast, and she's actually channeled an entity named Emmanuel. And I read one of her books um, probably six months after Christian passed away, but it was, uh, I believe, Emmanuel's book two, which is all about love. And there's a chapter in there about death and the body vessel. And the entity, Emmanuel, says in that chapter that death is like taking off a tight shoe. And when I read that analogy, it just brought wow. me to tears because I thought that's exactly what I saw with Christian, that it was just a very simple release and that there is, you know, there is the fear mechanism that is still built in to our ego consciousness because we have to have some form of self-preservation, right? Like when we're interacting with our environment, if we're in a situation where it's not our time yet, that whole contract has not been fulfilled, we still have to act in a way that is going to preserve the body vessel, right? Which is why we see specific things on this side or why we think that someone is suffering in a particular way on this side as well. And I, I saw that to a degree with my dad. Um, his death, <clears throat> excuse me, his death was very different because he was terminally ill. And by the time he was diagnosed, he lived nine months with the glioblastoma. And the last two weeks of his life, he was in hospice and pretty much unresponsive because he'd had a surgery that caused an infection in his spinal fluid. And he was so feverish that, you know, they pretty much just took him off of his nutrition tube and let him pass in a natural way. And um, it took him two weeks to pass. And so I remember a lot of people coming into the room and wondering like, is he uncomfortable? Is he like, what is he feeling? Because we can sense that he knows there's people in the room, but he can't respond. And um, it's so interesting to me because he's, told me about this, but he also kind of foretold in his own way. Um, when he was diagnosed, he sent this really heartfelt email out to all of his college buddies. Like these, these were friends of his, you know, since he was in his twenties and they had stuck together their whole lives. And like, I know their families anyway. So he sent out this email and he sent a copy of it to me. And in the last couple of paragraphs, he talks about you know, 
for his personality, for somebody who's a planner, now that he knows he's about to pass on, this was the perfect way for him to go because he could plan for all of the financial implications and for me and my mom and all of that stuff. And he said, you know, I feel like, and he had a crazy sense of humor. So take this with a grain of salt, but he said, you know, I feel like if I had a choice between, you know, having to go out in some crazy accident or just checking out in a haze of morphine, I'll take the latter. And that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> like he was just with his pain patch for two weeks, which I don't think he needed because of what he told me, but it was very slow and peaceful and gradual. And everybody who I know that he wanted to have a connection with in those last moments, they were able to come into his room and say goodbye. And so I a hundred percent, as you said, believe that we have these contracts in place because they're what are going, they're, they're going to serve our, our soul's highest good, you know, and his highest good was very different than my late husband's. Um, but I believe that both of them were able to pass on their own terms without suffering through, through those final moments. What do you, from, from the communication you've had with your dad since he's passed, when do you feel like his spirit left his body? Was it, was it in that two, like that two week period? It wasn't when he took his last breath, was it? I think it actually was because he was in this state similar to where Christian took me, where he was kind of in a void for those two weeks. And I was not actually there when he passed away. Um, my mom and I had a discussion that morning and we both agreed that I was not supposed to be there. And that maybe one of the reasons why he was waiting was because he wanted some time with just my mom. Okay. So I, I left hospice that day and I decided to just wait at home. And she called me around seven 30 at night and she was with him. And we both have said up and down that he was there with her and then yeah. said goodbye. Well, so having all of the gifts that you have, and now your mom really understands how special you are, which I know she always thought you were special, but now you're even like cooler, I guess you could say, <laughs> do you think she stepped into her spiritual gifts or has she had any kind of awakening? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's really funny because now that I have channeled the star archetype system and I know what her starseed archetype is, she and I are actually right next to each other in the same family. So we have very similar types and a similar function. And I've seen her step into that more and more and more. And she has always been very in tune with her connection to source consciousness and her own inner compass. Um, and I think that when she was raising me, you know, our parents, they always do the best they can, you know, they do the best they very can with the situation that they're in or where they live or whatever. And I think she really just wanted me to fit in. And so she gave me a lot of creative leeway, especially at home and encouraged me to enroll in activities where I could like express myself or tap into that other side. And, um, I've seen that bond strengthen immensely since. Well, and your dad 
I don't know the time frame of when your dad passed and all of this, but that may have been a part of his, you know, his agreement mm-hmm. was he would yeah. pass and then y'all would step into this knowing and understanding together mm-hmm. and you all would just Absolutely. grow, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's a really important evolution, I think, to look at anytime you are going through grief or loss is your family dynamic or friendship dynamic or whatever it is will inevitably shift. And so, you know, how do you recognize that that shift is happening with gratitude? And I think that's something that my mom and I, it's interesting because we're still navigating it as people who have both lost the same person in their lives. She lost her husband of 30 years and she lost her son-in-law that she loved dearly. And so we, we've had this really interesting journey of intergenerational grief and reconciling what that means to both of us and, and letting our relationship evolve in a natural way because of it. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the different arch- archetypes, archetypes, star starchetypes, however, yes. however you want to say it. Let's talk <laughs> about those for a minute. And then if you have any idea what I am, if it comes to you, I want to know a little bit more about me. Yeah, absolutely. So the starseed archetypes are a system of 12 cosmic imprints and all starseeds who are on earth right now hold all 12 templates. However, when you decided to incarnate and serve your life mission here in this lifetime, you picked a particular archetype to focus on. And so we call that your core mission or your core imprint. And the reason why you're not supposed to be using all 12 at once is because of spiritual burnout and overwhelm, which I have seen over and over and over again with star seeds especially star seeds who are new in their awakening, because like I had said earlier, if you get on Google and you're presented with all of this information, you can get really overwhelmed with figuring out your lineage. And so the message that I received really, really loud and clear when I channeled this system is that we're supposed to be shifting away from where we came from and more into what are we here to do now? What are we here to accomplish now? Why did we choose to be alive in 2021 in this new timeline that we're in? And so the differences in these 12 imprints very clearly hold what your energy should be focused on and how you're essentially at your best in in the 3D so that other star seeds who have other templates activated can do their work and we can collectively help humanity ascend together. One energy trap that I've seen manifest itself over and over again, especially within the Starseed Collective, is this idea that if you have a specific gift, like you can see auras. And so if you have a specific gift, like seeing auras, there's this like underlying pressure that you should also be able to channel messages, or you should also be an energy healer. Or you should also be someone who can instantly actualize anything that you want, right? And so there's kind of this really interesting awakened trope that I've mm-hmm. seen play out over and over again that very specifically we're here to get away from. This is more about 
how do you manage your energy, your unbroken connection with source in a way that is productive and nourishing and fulfilling and allows you to vibrate at your highest optimal frequency, which you can't if you have your attention going in 20 different directions at once. So there's 12 archetypes that are spread across four families. And the four families have to do with the last realm that you passed through during your incarnation process. So the guardians are kind of like, if I had a graph, it would start in the center and then it would go out, right? So the guardians passed through the earth realm when they incarnated here. And so those three archetypes are primarily focused on our physical environment and the tangible 3D and how we're using the resources around us and we're connecting with others around us in the 3D. And then if you kind of go out one level from there, the elementals passed through the ancestral realm. So the elementals are most likely the ones that have the highest connection to ancestors and being able to heal intergenerational trauma or inner lineage trauma. And they're more focused on thoughts and ideas and communication and really how do we transfer information in a way that is going to support the collective instead of diminish our frequency. And then if you go out one level from there, the ethereals passed through the realm of ether and they are very, very comfortable going in and out of density. So experiencing your body in one moment, but then going into another realm the next so that you can move and shift energy. So the three that are in that family are primarily responsible for how we perceive time because time is a form of energy. Um, as well as how we perceive like our physical currency through manifestation and actualization um, and how we use energy to purify and uplift our environment. And then if you go one out from there, the diviner family is, they're kind of like the 30,000 foot view because the last realm that they passed through is the astral realm. So they are very, very comfortable with life, birth, and death processes with moving through those cycles, as well as being able to kind of get a purview on the entire collective and discern whether or not we are all on the organic timeline. Um, and then there's my, and I shouldn't say favorite because, you know, parents aren't supposed to have favorites, right? But there is an outlier archetype who occupies the astral realm. They're called the sanguine they are going to be one of the last ones to fully activate here because their primary mission is to show us what it looks like to be fully embodied as a spiritual human, as a 5D being. So they're primarily focused on movement, fluidity, beauty, not holding, um, not holding energetics in the body that's going to cause health issues or health struggles. And so the messages that I've been receiving lately is that the sanguine will really start to incarnate more and more frequently around 2024. So I'm getting excited to see more sanguines in the collective and meet more of them. Um, <clears throat> sorry, and those are, and those are spirits that are going to be born. Mm -hmm, those are children. They're going to, they're going to be coming. So there's children that are going to be coming, but there's also star seeds who are here on earth right now that have not awakened yet or have not activated their template yet. And so that activation is going to really, really start quickening in 2024. So it's, and then, it's happening and I'm now. Sure, 
Yes. And I'm sure people that are, that are listening to this podcast, they're going to want to know, okay, so how, how are you getting this information? Are these downloads? Is this stuff that's been channeled to you? Is this just, this is coming, this is coming from higher dimensions, this information. Yes. Yes. So I receive, um, so I should probably say that my archetype is a clarion. So if someone is listening to this and they're familiar with the system, they probably know that right away because the clarion function is to essentially be here to be a cosmic messenger and to discern what information is appropriate for the collective at a certain time and what's not appropriate and how to frame things in a way that it will resonate with the collective in an uplifting and positive way. Um, and so I got this download and, and I receive them all the time, right? And I can usually tell who it is on my team that's talking to me and what I'm supposed to do with this information. And, and your team would be your angels, your guides. Yes. Christian, yeah. your dad. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where I sit, I'm in the ancestral realm. So most of the entities or beings who speak to me are ancestors or people that I've had a physical connection with on this plane as well. Um, but this message was very different because when I received it, I felt as though a fragment of it was coming directly through source consciousness and not necessarily someone who is of ancestral connection with me. And it wasn't a message where I felt like I could sit with it for a few days and think about it or, you know, kind of let it marinate. It was hey, this is all coming through you right now. And you need to sit down at your computer and write down every single thing that we're telling you. So when this was happening, I pretty much locked myself in my office. And I think I was writing, I mean, obviously I slept and I ate and all of that good jazz, but I think I was writing for three days straight just to get, get the 12 out. I saw all of the different sigils. So the symbols that are associated with each one where they all sit in their star families and then received more and more and more information that eventually turned into the Starseed Archetypes, the ultimate guide book. Incredible. Okay. So we just had Easter and I know how I feel about Jesus and how amazing he was. Can you give your idea of who Jesus was, how he fits into all of the star seeds and yes. And what the difference in your opinion would be between Jesus and let's say an ascended master? Yes. Okay. That's such a great question. So I have possibly a more controversial opinion on this. So I do not believe that all people are star seeds. And I get asked this question quite a bit. And the reason why is because I do believe that there are primal earth souls that have incarnated purely through earth to earth in order to uphold earth-based rituals or rituals and principles of humanity. And I do believe that Jesus Christ is and was an earth soul. I do not believe that he was a starseed but he was the divine embodiment of what source consciousness looks like in a human body and in humanity. That's beautifully so, said. Yeah, I believe that he was absolutely a messenger for universal love and universal truth, and that he essentially was a primal ritual keeper. And there is a archetype, the way shower that exists 
to keep our connection to that primal essence open through the ways that we cultivate community. And I'm not going to like go out there and say, oh, Jesus was a way shower because again, he was not a star seed and I wouldn't want to put him in a box anyway. But if you look at his teachings, so much of it is centered around community. It's centered around how do we love our brothers and sisters and how do we create a life for each other that is egalitarian and, and does not cast anyone aside. And so I feel like, you know, there's all of the prophets and you can look at any world religion and single out a central entity that came here as an earth soul to be a primary teacher for what community and communion with spirit at the same time looks like. And so, so that would be your idea of an ascended master. I believe so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and what would, what's your definition of an ascended master? What you were just saying, someone that came yes. to embody what it is to be human. I believe so. Yeah. But I, I do also think that everyone has the potential to be an ascended master. So I agree. part of that term is like learning that there is no separation and there's no, there's no hierarchy, you know, Yes, Jesus may have been this earth soul that was here for a specific purpose, but when you look at the way that all of our energy flows, there's no separation between you or I or Jesus because we all embody the same core of universal love. And so when we think about, you know, oh, what would it take to be an ascendant master or however you want to look at it in the 3D sense, like that is something that is within. And it's a question that you have to ask yourself is, am I living in true resonance with my vibration and with my mission? And if I'm not, then it's most likely because I'm either stuck in the past or I'm too far into the future and I'm not actually here in the present moment where all energy is available to me at any time. So good. Oh my gosh. I love it. I could just talk to you forever. Well, okay. <laughs> I want to hear, I want to hear. So what do you offer as far as your coaching is concerned and how can our listeners connect with you? I have had so much fun following you on social media. Thank you. Yes. So I, like I said, I wrote a book, it's called Starseed Archetypes, the ultimate guide. Right now it is a digital download, but I'm really, really excited. This is actually the first place that I've announced this, but my book is being published. So the hard copy should be available. I'm hoping early fall. So if you follow me on Instagram, which is the Starseed coach, or if you've been to my website, you can sign up for my email list there. Um, it's the starseedcoach.com, but I'm going to be sending out tons and tons of updates on when that's going to be available. And I'm I'm so thankful that we can offer that because I can't tell you, Meg, how many times we get emails from people that are like, I really want to buy your book, but I don't want to read a digital format, which I can totally understand. And so I feel like this has been a long time coming. And now that it is happening, I'm just really, really excited to be able to offer that to people. Um, so with the book, I also have a private community called The Starseed Coach. We're on Mighty Networks. And that is only for people who have read the book because I want everyone who comes in to have a baseline understanding of what their starchetype is so that they can relate with other starseeds who are in their star family or hold their same starseed imprint. Um, 
And then I also have a coaching certification program, which I'm launching very soon. So all of those details are going to be on my website as well. And I do have one-on-one sessions um, just because of how much this community has grown in the last few months. Um, I've been quite full with, you know, longer coaching appointments. And so I decided to offer 90 minute one-on-one sessions for people who, you know, want to connect with me, but I don't quite have time, you know, to have 20 coaching clients at once. Um, so that's been going, going really well. And I really love just being able to connect with star seeds from around the world and hear their stories and kind of walk them through how to attune to their imprint, which I think I have an idea of what yours might be. Tell me, I want to know. Well, I feel like just from talking with you, it's really interesting that you're saying that you can see that you have a visual on auras because that visual aspect would probably put you in the ethereal family. And I feel like you're probably a mage just from following you on social media and seeing how you interact with people. The mage is actually here to teach the new earth template for manifestation. It's called actualization. So because of how easily you can take source information and bring it into the tangible 3D realm, other people see that and they want to embody that too, right? So mages are a very influential imprint because of that ease of access that you have and the influence that goes along with it. So the shift is moving away from manifestation and moving into what are we actualizing with all nine of our energy centers and how are we understanding that every time we bring something from source consciousness into the physical, that's being done through the healing and the resolving of karmic contracts, which is really interesting that we were talking about that because you have a really, really natural understanding of exactly how those work. So yes, I think you're a mage. <laughs> okay. So how do you spell that? M-A-G-E. Perfect. Meg, Marge. Yes. That's perfect. Yes. That's really, yes. yes. I saw your post about that on, on uh, Instagram and I was like, oh my God, you nailed it. And we need to have a conversation about that one day because I am, manif- I am manifesting Marge. I'm a master manifester, mm-hmm. but there is a whole nother layer to that. I mean, we yes. have quick agreements agreements and things we have to complete, we have to move through. So our manifestations can come, but they, they may not look the way we think they're going to mm-hmm. look because we have things we have to complete and learn Absolutely. and grow through and from. So when yes. you said that that day, I was like, literally a light bulb went off. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's what I've been trying. Like, that's what I want to be able to, um, more eloquently teach to people. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you already are. And I think that just knowing that that is the specific imprint that you have activated will allow you to step into that with a lot more fluidity and ease because that's the central theme of the mage. And that's that's really true for any of the four vessel archetypes. So there's all this stuff in the book about ascendant position and different responsibilities. But if you're in if you're in the specific position that you are within your family, you're all about taking action and embodiment. So your embodiment is specifically coming through everything that you're calling in to the physical. So 
for you having, you know, that experience of, okay, it's easy for me, but how can I translate this so that other people will understand that's like, that's that next component there that yes, you're here to fulfill. So absolutely. I yeah. love it. So incredible. Well, well, Sirsha, this was awesome. And we will do it again because there's yes. so many topics that we could discuss and everybody I know is going to be so excited to get their hands on your book and to follow you on, uh, so on Instagram, you are say it one more time. It's the star seed coach, the star seed coach. Yes. And yeah. if you haven't taken the quiz to help determine what your star type is, there's a link in my Instagram bio that will take you there. Perfect. Thank you so much, Searsha. We will do this again. Yes. Thank you so much, Meg. This was amazing. If you thought today rocked, subscribe to the Meg Rock Show podcast, leave a review and let me know what your takeaway was. All of my social is linked in the show notes. Screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram at TheMegRock. For more info on me and to take my quiz to find out what energy blocks you have in your life and in your home, and maybe even coaching, go to manifestingmarge.com. Repeat after me, I am a powerful, loving, radiant, abundant, badass warrior goddess. I am here to rock out this lifetime. It doesn't serve me or the world to play small. I am worthy of all that I desire. See you in the next episode. The Meg Rock Show podcast and all content created by Manifesting Marge LLC is created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you may have for a medical condition or concern. Meg Schwarzrock is not a doctor or a therapist.